This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb. 101.9 High FM. This is Soul to Soul on a beautiful Friday afternoon here in Johannesburg. The weather has changed and we're not only on the calendar but in the weather on our way towards summer. Thank you all for joining us, for being part of our radio family this week and every week. It's such a great privilege to spend some time with you. I hope you had a easy, fast, and a very meaningful uh, Tisha B'Av, that uh, you were inspired and that the fast was easy enough that you actually had the headspace and the ability to get turned on and, and, and you know sit on the floor and uh, have an opportunity to, to think about you know, what one needs to work on, what one needs to improve, what it means to mourn a bit, and what are our expectations, what are our hopes. But now the whole mood has changed. And this week, of course, is Shabbos Nachem, the week of the week of comfort. And somehow, it's just <clears throat> it's just in the air that uh, everything is different. Everything is uh, is uh, on the way uphill, back towards back as we climb towards towards Rosh Hashanah in uh, in a mere. Just over six, just over six, uh, six weeks. Just perhaps an idea to maybe fuse together a little bit to the the concept of Shabbos Nachmu and uh, and uh, perhaps uh, the Parsha. So all the all the Bali Musa talk about the fact that uh, the Haftarah begins with this double expression of Nachmu Nachmu, double kind of comfort. And what does it mean? Why, 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 why? What's the extra dimension of comfort? Why couldn't we just have it said once? Nachamu, I mean, you know, be comforted. It's a command. It's a, <clears throat> it's a mandate for us to achieve. What's the concept of double mention? So, so while well, some of the commentaries uh, raise the concept that it it's meant to be coupled with another double. What the Torah says in Pasha's Vayelech that uh, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Moshe Rabbeinu in the name of Hashem predicts what's going to happen after Moshe Rabbeinu dies and, and the Jews turn away and they and they deviate from their from their path as as the chosen as the chosen nation of and they go and they and they attach themselves to other deities and other so called important things that they make credos and they make uh, sort of the main points of their of their life. And Hashem says Hastir Astir Ponai Hashem says, I'm gonna hide myself on that on that day. And 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 things will not you know, not such wonderful things will will happen to you and, and uh you will be punished and you will suffer and, and, and you'll be given the, the Shevet Musar, the, the uh, stick of Akadish Baruch's rebuke. And Mfashantoka, why does it say there this double expression of Hashem hiding himself from us. And, and, and they explain that, you know, sometimes when things happen to a person, when difficult things, when challenges and things happen, when catastrophes strike, we should be safe from any kind of such difficulty. The tendency of a person is to feel abandoned, to feel alone, to feel like... Hakadosh Baruch Hu is, is not with him somehow. Hakadosh Baruch Hu has has turned and has turned away 
away from him. And he feels this terrible loneliness and this terrible void. And people also, you know, uh, particularly if it's a, God forbid, a, a tragedy that carries on for a while. So, you know, the Jewish nation is amazing. And, and when when tragedy happens, they, they run and they do. And, and then sometimes, you know, if it's never a, a prolonged situation, people go on with their lives. And, and people are left by themselves to deal with it. And it's hard. And that's the Hester, that's the one Hasterastia where, where Akadosh Baruch Hu seems to be far away. And then there's an even worse level where sometimes a person is so forlorn and so sort of disorientated and disheartened by the situation that he arrives at the conclusion that there is no Hashem, that the Rebbe Shalom does, doesn't exist. If he existed and if he care, then, then this would never have happened to me. And God forbid people can really end up in, in a bad way if they're subject to the to the double, the double hest upon them, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu seems not to be existent at, uh, at, at all. And the, and the comfort then is, well, Nachamu Nachamu, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu will not only in the comfort show us what happened and why why it happened and and what what led up to what why Baruch needed to bring this us but then the second the second was that we're going to understand that even what we saw as this terrible terrible situation this terrible sorrow was actually much more than just that it was actually a a bracha for us it was actually something that that had we known you know the other side of the story the full story we would have had a full comprehension. We wouldn't have even entered the area of the first of the first Hester. We would have understood clearly. And uh, uh, Rabbi Friend, in his article this week, brings two two stories where you need to know and begin to understand perhaps the other side of the story before we can begin to to get a get a grip and you know have a, have a grasp at all of what what is actually happening. He tells a story about a a, a couple, Rachman al-Tzlan, who <coughs> who had the terrible, terrible tragedy of of losing of losing a child, where a young child of theirs passed passed away, and you can just imagine what uh, what uh, what that shiva house <coughs> must have uh, must have been in. The child was never ran out of the street and was tragically hit hit uh, by by a car. And <clears throat> one day during during the week of uh, of Shiva, so another couple came came to visit the the couple that was sitting Shiva had never before met this uh, miss couple and uh, didn't even know their 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 child, but they did have something to share with with the couple and they said, "Can we tell you a story?" I said, "Sure," and. They described what happened to them that they were a a couple very involved in in Kiro, very involved in trying to bring Jews closer closer to Yiddishkeit and they moved out of town they moved to a small community where there were where there were a, a handful 
of uh, of Jews, and uh, it was their project, it was their determination to to make something of the community, to turn it into a a, a, a sort of a, a mobile hotspot of of Yiddishkeit, where people could come and live, and they'd be able to really develop develop something. One of the things that just kind of uh, hamstrung them at the beginning was that the this town where they were didn't have a a mikveh, which of course is so essential for 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 Jewish for Jewish life, and and they were determined that uh, the first thing they had to do was organize the building of of a mikveh, but uh, that takes considerable amount of of funds and. Uh, they kind of scraped together and you know did without by themselves and you know had very basic meals and put money aside and and went around the community and asked for generous donations and, and pumped the whole concept of 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 a uh, of of a mikveh and finally Baruch Hashem they they were zeicher to have to have enough enough money and they uh, they put they put uh, they put together they were able to build. They were able to build a, 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 a mikveh and, and Baruch Hashem. And yeah, time carried on, Baruch Hashem, as they carried on working to build up the, the community. And uh, they kind of took personal responsibility of, of maintaining and running the mikveh so that it was always usable and people could, uh, could come when need and, and, uh, and be involved. And they checked it and, and, they, and, they, and they cleaned it. And one one day, one night, they went to to sort out the mikvah, to clean it, to get it ready, and they had their their toddler, young child, with them. So as it happened, when they began getting involved in in attending to the mikvah, so the little one uh, wandered off to the other side of the mikvah, and and fell into the into the water. And before we knew it. Rechman son, he had he had drowned, and said we could we couldn't make sense of it at all. I mean, the very mikvah that we worked so hard to build and 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 we, to raise the community to to higher levels of of, of purity. How, how could that be the very very thing that would that would uh, be the kasajan, the cause of this tragedy for our family? And and they just couldn't get their their minds around it. She says until one night, the uh, the husband had a dream, and his child came to him in in in, in a dream and and said to him that uh, I need to tell you what what happened. He says that, that I'm I'm really a uh, a Gilgal, a reincarnation of of an Ashama that lived hundreds and hundreds of years ago during the time of the uh, Spanish Inquisition. And when when I was killed, so I was never zeicher to have the tyra to have the purification done that a that a mace is supposed to have before he's before he's uh, buried. And the Rebbeinu Shlom decided that I needed to have this tyra, this purification, but it had to be in a mikveh that was put up with al mamish al tairas in the purest most sublime way with 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 such mysterious nefesh and such and such dedication and for whatever reason it took the rabbanishlam 500 years to to decide to to uh to bring me back here and 
here's where I was able to tevel in this uh, in the, in this mikveh and thus achieve my my ultimate my ultimate uh, uh, tikkun. And the couple says to this other couple that's sitting shivish, I, I don't know if these words can fully can fully comfort you, but you need to just be aware that there's always another part of the story that we don't even that we don't even uh, believe. There's a second Hester. There's something that's happening that that we don't even begin to understand. And the Chama is that. Maybe, maybe one day we will, we will, maybe we'll be zeichet to understand what that was. You know, maybe I don't know if you're, uh, uh, someone's going to come to you in a dream and 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 tell you why your why your nebuch, why your child was was killed in that car accident. But you need to know that there is such a such a such a dynamic, such a such a mitzias, such a reality that goes on that goes on in in the uh, in, in in the world and. Uh, it brings a second story. It says uh, this story uh, took place on the 13th of October in, in the year 20, 2015. So that was the day where a uh, Palestinian drove his car into a group of people waiting at a bus stop in 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 Geula, in uh, in Yerushalayim, and ever killing one person and injuring two two others. And again, never terrible Jewish lives were were taken at the hand of uh, of a ruthless, ruthless uh, terrorist. Uh, ter- you know, terrorists. And again, it's like an unspeakable kind of a kind of a kind of tragedy. But again, there's a there's a hastir astir. There's another story behind that that story that we were zeichet to understand. So there's a rav ravenasha Reisman who gives a shear every single day in the, the uh, in the base Yeshua shul which is on Rechoy bin Chas Yitzchak in Yerushalayim it's it's a very well attended uh, shear he has over sometimes over 200 people that come to his to his daily to his daily shear and one day he received a phone call from someone in Antwerp and uh, asking him to come in Elul to the, you know, come to the community for for a day or two and uh, give them some chizuk, give them some shmuzin to strengthen to strengthen the community. And he regularly got calls like that, and uh, you know, didn't really uh, didn't really want to to go. So he politely uh, thanked them and said, "No, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be coming." This uh, man was. Uh, Tenacious and wouldn't take no as a as as an answer, and kept phoning and kept uh, kind of haranguing him and trying to trying to convince him to come. So eventually, kind of uh, under the pressure, he cracked and said, "Fine, he would come, but he he wasn't going to come in Elul. He would come a bit later. He would come after after circus. He would come on on Rosh Chodesh on Rosh Chodesh Cheshvan uh, to to uh, to Antwerp." And he thought about it, you know, even after that, and he decided not, he really didn't want to go. So a few days later, he phoned the, the man Antwerp back and said, no, I really have changed my mind. I don't think I'm going to come. And the man said, I'm sorry. It's, uh, it's already too late. We've already publicized it. We put out the press releases that you're, that you're coming. You, know, you, can't, you can't go back on it now. He says, okay. He has no choice. He's going to, uh, he's going to go. So came that Tuesday of, uh, of Rosh Chodesh, 
and he was off to uh, to Antwerp. And uh, before he left, he wasn't sure should he get someone else to uh, to to take his shear for a day. And they said no. Yeah, you're not here for that day. One day there won't be a shear. Only be gone for one morning. Uh, uh, no, not a problem. We'll 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 uh, we'll wait for you to come back for the next for the next uh, for the next the uh, next day. And and that was the day that that tragedy uh, that that tragedy happened. Now, when looking back at the surveillance uh, cameras and things, they they noticed that already a day or two before Rosh Chodesh. There was a Palestinian in a in a car sitting outside this base Yeshua uh, 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 Shul, and the cameras showed that on that Tuesday he again parked there, and seeing that there was no one around, ran into the shul and ran up and down and and looked around, and not seeing anybody, he got back in his car and. Uh, and frustration drove to Gula, and and the terrible event happened happened there. In other words, they, they surmised that what is really his kavana was to to uh, be outside that shul. And when the shear ended at approximately that time, he was going to do his terrible, dastardly act to the hundreds of people that were there. But because that morning there was no shear, and Rabbisman was uh, was in Antwerp. So perhaps even a greater catastrophe and a greater disaster was 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 averted. We don't know. We don't know. And the Nachamu Nachamu is that Hakadosh Baruch Hu not only will will stop these terrible things from from happening, but also allow us to understand fully and comprehend what the reason behind all these things might have might have uh, might have been. And this is a real lesson for Shabbos Nachamu that uh, as we still. Even though the Tishabov is over, our own personal, sometimes our own personal Tishabov hasn't gone away. But let's be comforted that there will come a time where Bez Hashem will understand that everything that happens happens for a reason, happens for for a purpose. And Bez Hashem, as we as we grow in our own service of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, will be more and more tuned and more and more able to understand all all of that. We'll be back. In a moment, with our Hilchas Shabbos segment, this is Soul to Soul on 101.9 Chai FM, the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul on a Friday afternoon. As I said, we are going into Shabbos Nachamu, one of the most beautiful kind of restful Shabbosas of, of the year and everything... Uh, Hopefully, turning turning around, uh, the important details for this uh, Shabbos are Shabbos this afternoon will begin at twenty one minutes past five. That is the latest time for lighting your Shabbos candles this uh, this evening. Uh, Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at six minutes. Uh, sorry. We got it wrong. Twelve minutes past six, not six minutes past twelve. Uh, twelve minutes past uh, past six. The weekly parsha, of course, is Vo'eschanan, which is a amazing parsha with so much in it. It has the second uh, second edition of the Aseres Adibris of the Ten Statements. It has the first parsha of uh, of Shema. Lots and lots to uh, to learn and understand. In, in the in the reading of the uh, of the pasha of of the week, we are in our halacha segment. We're speaking about still about children, 
and uh, and Shabbos, and we are uh, particularly talking about at the moment about the uh, the games that uh, children play and those that they're allowed to play and those that uh, we don't allow uh, uh, children to to play on uh, on on Shabbos, and uh, we were we were res- we were speaking last week about we spoke quite a lot about the. Uh, the kind of board games that you're allowed to uh that you're allowed to uh play on on uh, on Shabbos it's those things that we allow even adults to play those things that we uh would allow just children to uh to play but not uh but not uh uh you know not uh, not adults so we're turning our attention a little bit today to kind of outdoor Kind of kind of games, so one is allowed to uh, uh, take a a one of these uh, cars that uh, you know that you kind of either wind up or you pull backwards and they and they spring forwards on a on a spring, uh, and it kind of moves a little bit for a little bit of distance of time and. Uh, yeah, some something that kids, especially boys, love uh, love playing with it. You can you're allowed to play with those on uh, on Shabbos, provided that it doesn't have any sort of bells and whistles or hooters uh, attached to it that uh, kind of make make noise and and Shabbos and of course uh, you know disturb their parents while they're uh, while they're while they're sleeping. Uh, and uh, obviously, you cannot uh, play any games that. Uh, that have batteries and uh, and things like uh, like that, um, because again, that uh, will definitely make things run and make things uh, make things go. That that that's not that's not allowed. Also, he said you cannot uh, we cannot blow up balloons. It's often question and ask. You can't blow up balloons because the the when you tie them, so that knot is a is a permanent. Kind of not. You have no intention of uh, of uh, untying that. You know what's going to happen eventually is the the balloon will will bust. But that uh, that is considered a a type of a permanent a permanent knot. Not, however, if you if it's a balloon that you yet you bl- literally blow up and then close with a with a uh, little piece of plastic, which uh, which keeps the air keeps the air in, and you don't have to tie it at all. And it's this is not the first time. You're blowing it up. It already was blown up once, uh, once before. So we said you're allowed to, you're allowed to blow something, uh, something, something up. Um, right. We don't allow children to play with sort of toy musical instruments on Shabbos. A little horn or a little, uh, these little, little pianos or, or, or guitars or, or bells or things or, or noise makers. And in fact, uh, the, the toys themselves are actually are actually uh, muktza, but uh, but a child can play. A little baby can play with a rattle that makes noise at the time when you're when you're when you're uh, either shaking it or or you press something on on it. But uh, the adult cannot sort of get the attention of of the child by uh, by you know sort of making noise with that toy. So that the child looks and and. Uh, and uh, and and wants it. Uh, 
Right. Uh, sand generally on Shabbos is, is muktza, but if you uh, set it aside as, let's say, a sand pit, as being something for children to play with before Shabbos, so then obviously like anything that you set aside before Shabbos, it's not, it's not muktza and you can, and you can use it and a child is allowed to play in it. Again, though that has to be quite uh, fine sand and it has to be very, very dry. Because uh, in, such a, in such a thing, you can't really draw pictures because obviously the sand will just uh, will just uh, flow back and, and erase the pictures. But if you if it's even a little bit wet and uh, and muddy, since you can make holes in it and you or you can smooth it out, so that a child is not allowed to play with it because we already spoken that uh, being in a situation where you're going to smooth things out or eradicate holes is already a problem of. Uh, of uh, of of boyne. and uh, it's forbidden to take a pail of water and and wet the sand because then you have the problem of leisha. You might actually knead it together and create one muddy substance from from the whole uh, from the whole uh, the whole thing. Um, right, we said you can't you can't play marbles on on uh, an exterior floor because you know you want to have a true shot and uh, we're worried that there might be a hole or a pebble or something and you're going to smooth the floor so that uh, you'll be able to uh, get to your to your to your target uh, and in fact uh, that it really is forbidden to play on an exterior surface any kind of game where there's a necessity that the floor has to be straight and that a little bit of a deviation could uh, could cause something to go awry or off or off target because again there's always a problem of you smoothing something or getting rid of a uh, rid of uh, uh, holes um, and even if uh, even if the exterior floor is actually uh, uh, paved so we make a gazera we don't allow playing on that because we're worried if we allow you to play on that then you might say, oh, in the same way as I can play on a paved exterior surface, I can then play on any exterior surface, and that would not be, uh, and that would not be, uh, be allowed. But in a situation where we're talking about an interior surface, a floor uh, inside the house, so there we do allow you, because since all the floors there are generally uh, paved, n- none of us uh, live in a situation where our interior floors are, are not are not paved. So we're not worried that you're going to say, oh, uh, in the same way as I can play on an uh, interior surface which is, which is uh, paved, I can also play on an exterior surface which is not unpaid. That's that's too far a jump and we're not going to make such a uh, such a decree on uh, on, uh, on on that. Okay, we're gonna come back with a few closing statements in a minute or two. Don't run away. This is one one point nine high FM. Stay tuned. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnerb. 101.9 High FM we are back on your radio here in Johannesburg for another few few minutes, hope you're enjoying the show. I hope your preparations for Shabbos Kodesh are are going going uh, uh, well. Baruch Hashem, it looks like it's going to be a, a beautiful a beautiful Shabbos. So we're talking about playing games on the floor. So on in an interior surface, we allow children to play play uh, 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 games. 
if one wants to uh, play a game using uh, fruit pips or something like that, which is a nice game. They're, they're nice and round sometimes. They do all kinds of interesting things, particularly uh, uh, apricot pips and things like that. Uh, again, since they are set aside, usually fruit pips are, are mukta, but again, since the, if these are set aside for the children for their, their games, so then they don't have the status of, uh, of mukta. They're not like other uh, uh, seeds or, or the waste products of, uh, of, uh, of fruits. And therefore, even if, let's say, someone ate uh, one of these kind of fruits that you want the pips and actually ate it on, uh, on Shabbos, so even then it doesn't become, become uh, uh, mukta because since it's something that is a general uh, minig amongst children to play with these things, so it's, uh, it falls in the category of something that is a, that is a uh, that is uh, a uh, that is not mukts at all, and uh, that's brought down by Baruch Noivet in Shemir Shabbos. Uh, also, you're allowed to swing on a uh, on a swing, but just be careful that it's not one that is attached to a tree, because you're not allowed to have any benefit from a uh, a tree, even on one side of the tree. It's forbidden, but if it is uh, attached to a a structure and the structure is attached to a to a uh, to a tree so that is already a again a double a double uh, uh sort of it's not directly from the tree it's it's considered removed from that from that uh, closeness and therefore you'd be allowed to uh, to use such a such a uh, such a string um Generally speaking, particularly in the outside, we, we, we prefer that children not play soccer or basketball on, on, uh, on Shabbos because these kind of, of games are, are usually a big deal and it's a big, uh, and, uh, there are, there are sort of rules and, and there are conventions of how it's played and everything has its own, and its own, and and really, the the main reason for this farm is it, it's it really is uvda dechayil. It's something that we do as part of our weekday, our weekday uh, ac- ac- activity, um, and and uh, you know Shabbos is supposed to be a, a little bit uh, different than than any other and any other day of of the week. Also, there's a, an additional problem that sometimes when you play these kind of games, so there could be other other uh, Sort of uh, activities that one might do that aren't aren't necessarily uh, uh, correct on on Shabbos. You might have to uh, prepare somehow the pitch for the for the uh, for the game. Uh, you might have to make teams or something like that. Or there's uh, some kind of uh, commerce that uh, that uh, that goes on. Uh, and uh, you know, if you have uh, people that that come to uh, that come to uh, Watch even the people that come to watch again. They they're doing something that uh, you know they're not playing. But again, it's it's a it's a weekday type activity. Chazal uh, are uh, not enamored. Most of the poskim are not uh, are not really that much for. We understand. Obviously, children need to be played, and they they can't they can't be bored on Shabbos. But these kind of organized games fall into the category of being weekday weekday uh, activities. And uh, therefore, these kind of uh, balls that one uses, soccer balls and and, uh, and rugby balls and those kind of things, uh, shouldn't be played with even 
inside the the house or in your own private uh, uh, backyard. Because the reality, since we don't want playing the games, these these balls might in fact be uh, be be muktza according to some. And again, it's still it's still uvdin uvdin the the chol. Similarly, playing tennis is also not uh, not recommended on uh, on Shabbos because uh, again, it's it's an activity usually played by by adults, and it's a big thing in this big preparation. It's a, and it's a big it's a big match, and it's not really really a, a, a Shabbos stick. Um, we do allow children to play kind of running games, you know, uh, hide and seek and tag and all the kind of uh, wonderful games that children uh, that children play. But again, uh, ideally, they should play either in the house or if it's outside on a on a paved on a paved uh, uh, a surface. But uh, on on sort of soft ground or on grass that that would be uh that would be forbidden because again the the building restriction you might come to uh to smooth out the holes or, or something as you uh as you uh as you go uh we def we do allow a sort of a table tennis to uh for them to uh to play that that is certainly that is certainly uh uh, uh permitted uh, because that's again that's something that's played in the house, so therefore that we don't have to worry that uh, you know that uh, it's something that they're going to get used to doing, and they're going to do also when they when they grow up. Because again, the the only hetter is for children to uh, to play with up, and when they, when when they sort of get older, hopefully they will outgrow such uh, such uh, such things. Uh, if a a Ball gets gets stuck in a tree, so you cannot get it out because you cannot do anything at all with a tree on Shabbos because you might uh, cut off a uh, a branch. If, however, the, it fell or it fell out by itself, then you would be allowed to to uh, play with it. And the clock says we are once again out of time. So all that's left for me is to thank each and every one of you for being part of our show, for being with us for the last uh, few minutes, and just to wish each and every one of you a beautiful, wonderful, uh, uplifting Shabbos, Shabbos Nach, listen to our Tvils, give us the the open eyes and give us the, the ability to see and perceive what our lives are, what the direction of our lives are, and may we, we run and be able to uh, achieve what we can on that on our way. Thank you for being part of it and to each and every one of our radio family, a good shot.